0: Welcome to MSP thirteen thirty seven. I'm your host Chris Johnson, a show dedicated to cybersecurity challenges, solutions, a journey together, not alone. Welcome everybody to another episode of MSP thirteen thirty seven. It is the last Tuesday of the month, and I'm gearing up to go to London for a MIACon and to do workshops around the mark. And so I thought, who better to have on the show than Jim Harriman of Kinetic Technology Group, because he is going through the CompTIA cybersecurity Trustmark. Jim, welcome to the show. Good to be back. So this is your umpteenth time on the show. So I think you get the, uh, uh what is it, the Saturday Night Live, you need the jacket, the five-timer, that's right. Time reward, right?
1: You just uh, got to pick a color, Chris. That's all. all right,
0: I got to pick a color and get get the uh, get the jacket out there. Um, so we have a roughly sixty five plus solution providers today actively going through it. I say actively because that that might be a strong word for some of the solution providers that are currently in the program, um, but there are quite a few that are very active. Uh, your organization being one of them. Where, if I'm not mistaken, you're looking to be assessed before the end of the year, correct?
1: That's my goal. Um, I haven't been through a few audits in the past. You know, we've we've got a routine down, and so it's just a matter of of carving out the time to do it. And in the past, with the the audits that we have been through, um, there's been a lot of the uh, as you're going through it, you know, the requests coming in and so that kind of helps keep you on task sure. with, with this program so far i mean it's it's really more it is more self-paced as opposed to you know somebody hey send me this you need to upload sure. that i'm sure that would come at some point you know when somebody assessment. starts yeah. actually assessing it but yeah. um you know the things that i've i've dealt with in the past it was mostly just kind of a of a series of questionnaires uh which you know you go you go through kind of a, a gap assessment in the beginning of the trust mark which is really cool it's kind of like a questionnaire of here's all the things that we're going to require are you doing them or not and then you kind of move on from there but uh, that's really been the only difference for me is that it's been more self-paced and I've had to be a little bit more disciplined about it because I don't have anybody writing my my tale about it so to speak so so let's let's rewind a
0: little bit because you didn't just you know decide one day I should just do the trust mark you you were already doing um for lack of a better word like-minded things so you didn't decide to do sock two I believe that's one that you did prior to pursuing the trust mark you didn't just go and say hey um, I think we should be sock two just because it you know, talk talk me through the idea behind feeling the need. Since you weren't, you're not in a regulated industry. Your clients didn't say, "Jim, please get a SOC too so we feel comfortable working with you. What what led you to pursuing a framework or or to get compliant against a framework of any kind?
1: So what happened was we started uh, participating in a in a peer group organization and. Uh, Within that, there was a a lot of conversation. Every single call was all about cybersecurity. What are we doing? You know, uh, so on and so forth. And, you know, our leaders within that organization were like, well, we're going to we're going to get something kicked off here and want to do this. And in the process of that, I was like, "Okay, I need to find something that is kind of already established to, you know, I I i'm not very patient in some in certain things and so i really felt the need to well ultimately it's this chris we we felt that the industry was either a going to regulate at some point and i sure. still think that's a possibility um or at the very least, there would become more of a demand um, from our clients as as we continue to, to grow and hopefully uh engage larger organizations along the way that there would be requirements needed of us um to to get that business. And sure. so uh, with that, uh, I just did some research, uh, made a decision to go the SOC two route, engaged an organization that's in our industry that does that type of work, and so um, that's that's where we started. And through that process, um, you know, the peer group uh, security program continued to evolve, and we've stayed active within that and um participate in the leadership of that as well. And so it's it's just just kind of just kind of grown. At the end of the day, um, I feel like if we weren't prepared for whatever the inevitability is, whether it's regulation or uh, client demands, uh, that if we weren't prepared that our organization was going to suffer, and I'm looking at it from a longevity perspective. Uh, as an organization, and felt that you know this is this is what real businesses do, <laughs> right, right?
0: You know, so to, to be resilient requires right. putting things in place that uh, enable resiliency, and I, I think we, uh, in our industry especially, I think there's a lot of like, well, just tell me what I need to buy. Uh, and and or you know we work with the following vendors they've told us if we implement the products that they sell to us a certain way then that's really all we need to do and i think time and time again we see a pattern emerge that says either i failed to implement the way they told me to or the implementation as perfect as it might be doesn't cover everything in essence there's still holes that require people to fill them Um, We see that in roads all the time, no matter how good of a job the pavers do. Inevitably within two to three years, there's a a sinkhole or a (laughs) random, like it's broken for no apparent reason. Like, you know, what happened here? Like, it shouldn't be like this. This is a brand new road. Um, That's, I think the way a a lot of business would like to believe that they're operating, right? Like no, no matter how well, we've implemented a program or a tool or otherwise it it's only as good for as long as we maintain it. And so to your point, I think if I understand correctly, going from the SOC to type model to the trust mark was a natural progression to continue, to to continue that. And quite honestly, to do something that obviously doesn't cost nearly as much as (laughs) what it would have to continue on the path you were on.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, The, the SOC 2 side of things, if if we were required to go back that direction, I, I it would be an easy uh, switch back to us because just because the, the trust mark is different and might have some different requirements outside of what SOC 2 is, we've already established a routine within what we were already being audited for. And we're not gonna stop doing those things to us. Quite honestly, the trust mark actually satisfies more security things than what an actual SOC 2 does. So, um, you know, the SOC 2s are always subjective. And that's the other reason I like the trust mark above and beyond the SOC 2 is just because it it really focuses in on uh, a lot of the technical things in our industry that other things don't. Um, and even though we were audited based on our entire organization in other words we weren't just like okay well just audit us about this and not about this in other sure. words we got audited not only for our internal but actually the processes and procedures that we provide for our clients sure. on the SOC 2 side so um, it was everything and so it it, it it covered a lot of stuff, but there was still a lot of gaps from that versus what what the trust mark offers in that regard.
0: And and to to sort of defend your point, uh, maybe not in in, in not shining on the trust mark for a second. The reality is the trust mark is gonna have gaps too, right? Like the trust mark is not meant to be an all-encompassing. Um, I, I had it said, you know, on a call earlier today that think of the trust mark as, as an eclipse of the sun. And so you got a black circle now on, on the sun and you can look at that black circle, right? You can see that. And and quite honestly, that black circle in theory is going to get bigger over time, but it's never
1: going to eclipse completely the sun. Absolutely. Um, so I, you look at it like this, I the, every every event or incident that has occurred that that's been reported and everything else have been companies that are following some sort of cybersecurity framework right the fact Allegedly. is oh, they all have gaps sure. yeah right every all of them have gaps it doesn't matter which framework you choose which program which audit which platform which whatever they they all have gaps that that we're all basically playing from behind all the time to try and and mitigate those things and and fill those gaps up. So it's always going to be a challenge. But I think I've
0: I've always been passionate about CIS. You've known this. You've known me long enough to know that it went predated CIS top 18. Um, But one thing that has always stuck with me is technology controls. Not prescriptive are often just not implemented because if it's a if it's vague enough, we can we can rationalize doing it right. Like, oh no, we're already doing that. Because if you read this the way I read it, we're definitely doing that. I don't think the CIS safeguards, which is a large part of the trust mark, give you that opportunity to interpret that vague. Like it just said, you know, when it says you need to use MFA for all external applications, it, it's really saying, like as in the word all means all external applications. And I think that's hard sometimes because we go, well, all of my applications are external. It's like, okay, (laughs) then you probably need to have MFA on all of your applications.
1: Yeah. And if, and if you haven't, if you haven't done an analysis of that within your organization, it's like, that's a daunting task. And I know, I know there's probably people that uh, have started the trust mark that maybe haven't done some of those things yet. And so that's, you know, I, that's something that we did we had never done it before 4 years ago right but it's something that now we have and we keep up to date internally and uh a lot of it is manual like bookkeeping it's it's very um administrative in a lot of ways and you just have to you just have to stay on top of it and it's you it don't is... use
0: ai to balance your books
1: Not yet. (laughs) So,
0: so, so this is, that raises a really, I think it's a good question. Um, You know, as you were going through this process and we know uh, one of the controls within the Trustmark is, is based on CIS and it's, you know, what applications are part of your authorized, uh, you know, inventory. And you brought up a really good question. So starting on this four years ago, CIS driver, how many applications do you think you had then versus how many do you have now has it continued to grow? have you consolidated a lot of applications where there applications you just didn't know were out there and you're like, hey guys, why do we have six versions of you know Adobe Acrobat and cute FTP and Foxit and fill in the blank?
1: Sure. I mean, initially it was a uh, a full list of applications, not just services or service providers or tools that we were using that were cloud based or SaaS based. Sure. So the it, it was a pretty long list. We we did narrow it down uh, to. We, I mean, we have a application list and then we have a service provider list. So it's sure. two different things for us now it was originally one big long list and now it's it's two we have approved apps that we use on our devices and then we have services that we use as as the organization and so i
0: think that makes that makes a lot of sense because then you're not you're also highlighting where your responsibility or burden of burden of risk and responsibility comes into play. So so the reason why I brought that up wasn't because I wanted you to just tell us how many applications you're managing. It was more of like, as you're going through this process, whether you're pursuing the trust mark or not, the goal shouldn't be like, today I'm going through control two and I have to get to 100% of control two in order to move on. And we're seeing this pattern emerge quite a bit with a lot of solution providers where they get stuck and are not making progress. And, And I'll just say, trust mark included, you're not going to make progress if you don't just take a step in the forward direction. You said this on a call, uh, I think it was Monday of this week, uh, you may be taking one step forward and two steps back, and that is still forward progress in, in the context of what we're trying to accomplish. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so as you're going through the trust mark, obviously I wanted this to be trust mark feedback, what was the biggest challenge? What was the most daunting thing? Forget the platform; obviously, that's evolving and, and maturing. Sure. Like, what was the biggest sort of like? Oh, hadn't haven't had to deal with this before.
1: Um, let's see. I would say that um it it's all going to probably go back to the CIS side because most of the governance pieces that are included in the TrustMark. Are things that we're really focused on within our SOC audits, and so there are a
0: lot of other frameworks. To be right. fair,
1: yeah. So, so those things, and I was, I, I was actually glad that those things got incorporated because I, I feel like they're important to maintain a program. Right, you can't just maintain a program without having the the governance pieces in place, in my opinion. So. So far, though, I would say I'm. I'm actually looking at the 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 planner here right now, just to kind of kind of see where um, where things landed. But I I think the the ones that I that we haven't done yet, obviously, are the ones that are are going to be the the challenge, right? And and for us, we have about 22 to 25 things when we uh, ran through kind of the gap analysis that we weren't doing yet, uh, which we already knew. We just didn't know which ones they were as far as the trust mark goes. We were at about, uh, after our last SOC 2 audit, which concluded in March of this year, um, we felt that we had about 75% of CIS covered based on everything that we had already implemented over the last... Sure um, several years. So, um, I, I think outside of, outside of the trust mark itself, I would say like right now, one of the things, okay, here, here's a good, here's a good one. Removable media encryption. Yep. That's, I don't know how I'm going to satisfy that one yet. Right. I don't know how I'm going to do that other than the fact that, Right now, we don't really uh, use any removable media anymore uh, internally, other than to back things up on occasion or sure. whatever. Um, it's not something I mean, we used to travel with external hard drives to be able to boot well, up. Machines, well,
0: who doesn't?
1: Yeah. Right. But now
0: you, you, you have the cloud
1: yeah you just really don't need those types of things i mean we deal a lot in the apple world and in the apple world to reinstall an os if you've got an internet connection you just you just boot boot up with a key held down and it does it right so
0: that raises a question if you were to block the ability to connect removable media you more or less solve this with a very Sure. Like, I'm not having to manage devices. I've just, so, and obviously, I recognize that that's not going to work for everybody. Right. But I think, I think if you start to your point, if this is the safeguard that you're stuck on, this is a great one to check out the cyber forums and post a question. Cause I guarantee you, of the 60 plus MSPs and there, 65 plus MSPs, somebody has a policy for this. Right. Uh, and, and I've seen it. And obviously, you do a lot in the Mac space. Uh, there's a product out there. Um, I probably shouldn't list it on this call because then people are like, I wonder how I can bypass that if it gets implemented on my machine. <laughs> um, but there are products out there that do manage. One of the things you'll see is like, especially on the Windows side, you know, GPOs in place that identify like it has to meet certain product ID in the way it's handled in device manager. And then it has to be a specific model within that. And then it, and then you can go in and say, and if the serial number doesn't match, those are you know some ways that you could, allow but like to your point if i look at i i literally did not expect you to say the biggest challenge with the trust mark is the cis safeguards not governance and leadership but not physical environmental and when i think about it through the lens that you're describing well yeah i mean yeah governance and leadership comes up all over the place and quite honestly it's very much open to interpretation because they can't define how leadership is supposed to look in every company. They can't define how you should operate your business, right? Like that's just not part of that's That doesn't work. It's largely subjective. Um, so, wow. So to your point with roughly 123 safeguards from CIS being in the trust mark, um, Break it down for me a little bit further, because my guess is you weren't stumbling and tripping on all 100 plus CIS safeguards. Inventory, I think largely organizations in our world, in our industry, do a relatively, I'll, I'll be gentle with this. We do a relatively okay job managing our inventory, even if we don't do it out of intent, we do it as a byproduct of the tools that we use.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, inventory was one of those. I mean, it was challenging at first, um, like when we really first started digging in um, to just knowing what we had, right? I mean that that was that was really the key, and identifying devices that maybe somebody had thrown on our network or right. whatever. And it's like, oh, somebody's got you know this IoT thing that they plugged in so that they could you know use a voice command to turn the music on in the office right and so those those types of things have been weeded out mostly by uh just disabling things that we were allowing in the past and so I mean locking down the network and having a secure network configuration though uh, kind of a pain in the rear from time to time uh, ultimately has made me feel like I could put my head down at night and go to sleep without worrying that somebody was going to, you know, get on our network. But man, it's been five years since we had any data housed on our physical network. So then it moved to, okay, now how are we going to ensure that the providers that we use to store data or also taking these steps and then you get into the more vendor assessment side of things and so it's just a it's a long road road and each step leads to another area in which to work on and and improve upon and so but you know the 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 governance side really um we we did have a company that was walking us through that process and helping us develop the policies that were going to be needed once the audit was actually taking place. And so um, that part now is much easier. If I need a policy for something, it's way easier today to, to develop one. Um, And as you and I have talked about with, with others, it's like, you know, keep it simple. It doesn't have to describe every single thing under the sun, but just say, you know, our organization, this is how we're going to address this. You don't have to get into specifics because those specifics may change and you don't want to have to continually go back and update these policies over and over again. You want to review them annually at least right. uh, to make sure that they're still relevant or that something doesn't need to change. But uh, all in all, um, they should be as simple as possible and direct the person who's reading the policy to the process or the procedures that are being done to uh, to satisfy the policy or to enforce the policy or to whatever. Don't let the enemy of <laughs> you good know what be I'm the saying. enemy
0: of good. Don't let, you know, Vince, we can quote Vince Lombardi and others on this. It, actually, we should just quote you. Um, you know, two steps backwards is still progress as long as you're making one step forward,
1: right? Right.
0: Do you think that the trust mark and and obviously this is a loaded question. Is it is it achievable for anybody? I mean, in our space, like in in this. I mean, obviously this is written for managed solutions, managed managed service providers.
1: You know, I, I believe I believe that it is. I, I believe that if you want to achieve it, regardless of your size, regardless of the number of employees, revenue, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, if you want to do it, you can do it and and make it happen because there may be some things that you're coming across during in that. And you and I have talked about this. Sure. You know, um, for instance, you know, having firewall on a server. Well, I don't have any servers. Right. So does it so does it not apply to me or and And through our conversation, I realized, well, it could still apply in the future. And so I don't want to say not applicable. I want to say that at this time. Kinetic Technology Group doesn't have any servers in which. Right. Firewall can be enabled. In, in the event it. a
0: server shows up at Kinetic, it's right. it's you have something already in place to handle that situation. Exactly. I think there's a there's a flip side to this too, and and I ran into this. You see this in other frameworks. You know, do you have a firewall? Awesome. I can answer that confidently. Yes, I do. Do I have it plugged in and turned on? That's not the question, and I'm not going to answer that. Right, <laughs> like. That's one of the things that you're not going to see in CIS, right? Like it doesn't ask questions that are so full of uh, assumptions, right? Because if if, if we were to properly interpret, do you have a firewall? It's not asking, do you have the box? It's asking, do you have the firewall technology from a functionality and, and performance standpoint that's doing something that would positively reduce... Bad things from happening to your organization. Not oh yeah, awesome! I'm so glad you still have it in the box. It's definitely not collecting dust because it's protected in plastic wrap.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, but to kind of circle back to the conversation about whether I believe that anybody can do this as a you know as a technology provider, a cybersecurity provider, an MSP, whatever you want to call us these days. Um, I, I do believe, and I think the biggest challenge that most people are going to come across is the time, right? And depending on the size of your, your I mean, we're a small company, I believe. I mean, we have 13 employees, 13 full-time employees. Um, and not a
0: big company.
1: No, not, not a big company. Um, but I think that the leadership has to take, the wheel of this have buy-in within the leadership if that's one person or two people or three people or whatever the the person steering the ship has to be bought in and then he has to get the rest of his leadership or her leadership bought in yeah this, you basically have to get everybody on the ship bought in you do yeah uh, inevitably you do but that takes some time. And, you know, early on you're force feeding people and you're gonna tick people off because you're gonna do things and you're gonna take away things that they've been able to do for however many years they've worked for you. um, And you have to explain to them why you're doing it. And then you're gonna do it with your clients down the road. So, you I'll give you
0: a caveat to that. I think that you're spot on with one caveat and that is creating a policy does not require any buy-in, creating it. Getting people to do what the policy scope says needs to be done, requires buy-in. But I think too often, we get so focused on creating policy A and forcing or attempting to get buy-in to adopting that policy, that we're stuck. And we don't move on to getting the policies written that we know we need to have. Because if we're gonna get buy-in and we can paint a picture that's complete, with all the policies, then having the conversations a little bit different because when you get to like vulnerability management or you get to uh least privileged access in some of those, you're you're not seeing just the one policy in standalone picture, like almost a spot in time. You're seeing the strategy around where we're going and where we're gonna get to someday doing a pen test. Sure didn't just start with guys, this is gonna suck. We're gonna do a pen test. We're gonna do it tomorrow. right like you might get some heart palpitations from a few people in the company because they know what kind of things might be stood up in the environment like you know we're ripping spotify to a server and maybe we shouldn't be doing that because we didn't put a proper firewall in because that's the only reason that you would be (laughs) in trouble for ripping from spotify so so, okay, so I think we've covered this pretty well. Like it's achievable, it's it's reasonable. And surprisingly, the challenges aren't actually in the governance and leadership if we take only Jim's word for it. Uh, I find myself, as I think about it, agreeing with you because I actually hadn't thought about it through that perspective. And And quite honestly, it's also the least number of safeguards to answer, right? So get those out of the sure. way. They're the easy ones. Any parting thoughts on this? I, I mean, this has been super helpful. I, it's funny. I've, I talk to people about the TrustMark and CIS and frameworks all the time, and that is the first time I've had someone say it's more difficult to follow prescriptive technical safeguards than it is to follow vague and subjective governance and leadership safeguards.
1: Well, you know, like I, I think I think the amount of experience that we've now had doing it is what made it easier for us when, once we jumped into the TrustMark. I will there. say. that. I will say that starting off, those probably will be some of the the biggest challenges that somebody that I mean, look. I was if you don't part- have
0: an employee handbook.
1: Good luck. I, mean, I was just going there. I was like, <laughs> I, I I was in business for ten years before I even had an employee handbook. Sure. You know, I mean, and then all of a sudden, I've got. You know, nine employees and people posted on Facebook about their bad experience with mm-hmm. a client or a vendor or whatever, and I'm like, what am I gonna do about that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? I gotcha. Well, I gotta have some kind of policy in place, and you know, then it's it's like okay, it's the same thing. Fair,
0: fair point. This is why early on, when you you know cut your own checks to pay staff versus now you outsource it to a third party. Yeah,
1: right. Well said.
0: Uh, any parting thoughts before I let you go? Any like helpful books? I had one I thought of. You know, if you're going through the trust market, it made me think of the cyber defense matrix as a good, useful resource that's outside of like just using what's on CIS security or the resources coming from CompTIA.
1: Well, I I was just gonna I was just gonna say that I think that if you if you're doing this, CompTIA has. A vast amount of resources to help you do this, just through the community, um, you know, through the 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 ability, the forums, the the just the the membership. If right you're cyber
0: not, forums you're talking about, there's yeah, a Q and A in there. Yep. Get yourself in there. Um, and if you're not weekly,
1: yeah, and if you're not participating in some type of of peer group, uh, with. Uh, other companies like you, um, I would encourage you to do that because you're going to then you you broaden that community even more. And I believe that the days of us being so self-contained in our own little bubbles and worried about, you know, losing business to this guy up the road or that guy, Agreed. you know, it's like it's a big blue ocean. Right. And there's lots of enough business for everybody out there. And you know, don't be worried about those types of things. Get involved, get involved in community in some capacity, uh, because there, there's lots of resources out there. And uh, I mean, like you, Chris, I mean, you you are probably the most available person that I know to people when they have, I wonder of, what else I do. And, and it's like, I, I think, you know, the fact that the fact that you do that, and I admire that about you and just and your willingness to 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 help. Uh, people that are that are struggling with things when they're trying to to accomplish this stuff so I I appreciate it I commend you in that and uh just use the resources that are available because they are vast and you know that's it my, well, my There you have Merriman it uh, and I, I'll take a phone call if I have to so there you I, go
0: I, so so' I, I'll, I want one add to what you just said I appreciate all the 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 smoke blowing um. I want to say this, the the challenges around demographic diversity of like not being too close to another solution provider. If you get hit with an incident, your closest ally is likely going to be your biggest competitor. If they are doing due diligence when it comes to cybersecurity, you will need them as an asset when something bad happens and something bad is bound to happen. Whether or not you've made lots of friends with your competition... Uh, is going to be largely tied to how quick and how resilient you are in that recovery. So with that, those of you listening, thanks. Have a great week.